More local content. Saturday morning coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5. Now, two full hours. More Reese means more coffee. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of Saturday Morning Coffee. Saturday Morning Coffee is the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It is 7.07 on your Saturday morning, Saturday, May the 2nd, 2020. Happy May to you. I am Reese Boyd, local attorney here in town with the firm of Davis and Boyd, attorneys at law. I'm your host for Saturday Morning Coffee. Welcome to the show. It's Saturday Morning Coffee. We invite you to sit down, pour yourself a cup of your favorite coffee or breakfast beverage of choice. Join us as we talk about the news, current events, what is happening in our world, all the things that we think you need to know. Here at Saturday Morning Coffee, we love great coffee. We're also about, all about, limited government, lower taxes, because that means more freedom, more freedom for you and me and all of us who are we the people. We've got a country to save and it starts right here right now here in the coffee house so let's get to it we invite you to settle in with a cup of your favorite coffee join us as we get your saturday morning going joined here in the studio by producer extraordinaire glenn die houdini how are you this morning good how are you what are you doing call me houdini Uh, you know everybody's got to get everybody's got to get a little crazy every every now and then how you doing this morning I'm doing great, man. That is some great French roast right there. Some great. Glenn, I'm a little sad uh, this morning. A little sad. Uh-oh. I am brewing the last, you remember a few months ago, back before the world went crazy, I took a mission trip down to Costa Rica. Yes, yes. Grabbed some outstanding coffee from the hills of Costa Rica. Yeah. You know, I hiked up, I hiked up into the mountains of Costa Rica. I met Juan, Juan Valdez. Valdez. I met really? Juan yeah. Valdez on his mule. I helped Juan. Pick those coffee beans. He only picks the freshest he beans. He only picks the freshest beans. That's right. And uh, anyway, we have, flavor. we have we have ground the last of the uh, of the Juan Rivez Costa Rican coffee. Wow. So, uh, I'll have to I'm have to go back, hike into the hills again, meet Juan, get some uh, get some more of that fine Costa Rican coffee. So this is some of the last of it. Um, but no, things are good here at, uh, we, uh, invite you guys to join in the show. Ask, uh, let us know what coffee you're drinking this morning here in the, uh, virtual coffee house that uh, we call Saturday morning coffee, the Reese Boyd radio hour. Um, you know, we've been reminded in the, in these days of this pandemic that this is our virtual coffee house. This is the opportunity we have to get together and talk about what's going on in the world and, and we wish we missed we oh how we missed just don't you just miss Glenn sitting down in a coffee shop and just yeah. opening up a newspaper and just having a cup of coffee and talking to folks or a restaurant I mean the yeah. food is still good but to go oh, just yeah. doesn't have the same feeling I I told my Lee and I were talking this week I I told this to several people I actually were meeting with some folks uh, here at the radio station we were, I was on the Liz show on Friday and I said you know what I want is just I want to sit down in a restaurant with a big ribeye like a 16 ounce ribeye and a couple of sides and just sit down with a bunch of friends and just 
enjoy. Just absorb uh, <laughs> the smell. And the guy with the mask that's uh, serving you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, you know, the, you know the steakhouse smell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the peppercorn. Yeah. All the all the all the seasoning that kind of gets in the air. But you won't be able to do that at Chuck's Steakhouse. They're not going to recover from this. They're not going to recover. No. Nope. That's that's uh, that's. Um, and they've been around since like 1979 or something like that. I really wonder. I've been thinking about that this week, Glenn. Now that we're starting to see some of the light, well, mm-hmm. there's clearly light at the end of the tunnel. Um, governor's issued another executive order uh, as of Monday. I mean, obviously the beaches are back open. Uh, short-term rentals have been turned back on, um, and so we'll see things start to get back to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, restaurant's going to be able to do public seating as of Monday per. Governor McMaster's ex, order? Uh, ex, outside. Outside, yeah. yeah. Pub- I I'm sorry, that, I said public. I meant outside. Yeah, I wonder how long that's going to go if they, before they let us go inside. It, it can't be, it can't be uh, that, uh, that long, but, um, I, you know, people are, people are ready. Uh, oh, yeah. There is a, oh, yeah. I think there is a growing sense, Glenn, and we'll talk about this ironically on the show. It's uh, something that's on my mind. I'm sure it's something that's on everyone's mind listening to my uh, words is how have we responded to this and what has the response been in the terms of the impact that the response has had right. versus the impact that the initial virus has had and uh, i posted something on uh, facebook this week it's gotten sh- it's had like 800 shares i've never mm. posted anything on facebook and it just says you know the worst thing that this virus is going to do to us and it's going to do it's done bad things to us but the worst thing and, and look i i have friends who've been sick um, i have friends who have lost family members i'm not making light right of, of anyone's suffering right. and and we may yet we will yet lose more people mm-hmm. to this virus this is not over i'm not suggesting that we're oh yay we're out of the woods victory lap that's not the right. case but in the greater scheme of things in the overall sweep of human history what we will find in my opinion is that ultimately the way we have responded to this virus has done more harm than the virus itself i would agree with that 100 percent. yeah so and i posted something on facebook from all places of msn this was not uh, you know this was not alt-right news this was msn basically making those points and it had like 800 shares on Facebook. I've never, I've never seen anything get shared more frequently. So I'll talk a little bit about that uh, today on the show. And mm-hmm. we, we invite you guys to join in the mix. Uh, our call in line, 843-903-2945. That's the call in line. You can text us your comments, as uh, you deplorables often do. The PCRX text line is 843-798-TALK. That's 843-798-8255. The uh, Twitter handle, for those of you who want to follow the show on social media, is at Reese Boyd. You can email your comments to us at ReeseBoydSMC at gmail.com. Got some interesting emails uh, this week. Also, those of you who would like to reach me during normal business hours, many of you from the show call the office. And I love to talk to you guys when you're a little more awake. (laughs) Some of you don't like to talk on Saturday mornings. Uh, but the office line for Davis and Boyd Attorneys at Law, where I can be reached most business days, is 843-839-9800. Again, that's uh, Davis and Boyd Attorneys at Law, one of the fine sponsors of this fine show. 
And uh, we'll uh, try to remind you guys. Also want to remind you guys that you can follow Saturday Morning Coffee on Facebook by searching Saturday Morning Coffee. And you can also subscribe to our podcast. Somebody called into the um, Liz Calloway show Friday complaining about the hour, Glenn, about they love the show, but we're just too early in the morning. So for all of you who are not yet fully awake, want to remind you that you can subscribe to Saturday Morning Coffee in your Apple podcast menu. That way it will come up on CarPlay in your car. If you're an Android user, you can uh, subscribe in your Google Play menu. Just search for Saturday Morning Coffee. There are various other podcast providers on the Internet where you will find us. Um, And so search for Saturday Morning Coffee and subscribe, if you will, and follow the show. You can listen whenever you like, and uh, and we scrub out most of the advertising when we do the podcast. So... You'll uh, get an even uh, more efficient listening experience if you subscribe to the podcast. Again, I'm Reese Boyd, local attorney here in town with the firm of Davis and Boyd and part-time radio host. I'm your guide, your narrator on this excursion into hopefully broadcast excellence. We do our best not only to entertain but to enlighten you and help you make sense of the crazy world moving around us especially in these very challenging times. I want to remind you guys that freedom really does hang in the balance. And we uh, will talk about that as we talk about that every day. It's time to stand true to our principles, stand up for the limited government that we've been endowed, um, the rights that we've been endowed by our creator with. And uh, we will talk more about that uh, today as we move through the show. Stick with us. After these words from our sponsors, we've got a great show coming up, a couple of interviews in the second hour. We'll be back with more Saturday morning coffee right after these words. Don't leave town. Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour, and more coming up next on Talk 94.5. Hi, everybody. It's attorney Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour here on WTKN. I'm also a practicing attorney with the firm of Davis and Boyd, attorneys at law here in Myrtle Beach. These are certainly trying and uncertain times for individuals, families, and businesses here along the Grand Strand. Please know that our team of professionals at Davis and Boyd stands ready to assist you with all of your personal and business legal needs. So if we can assist you in any way, give us a call at 839-9800. That's Davis and Boyd, attorneys at law. Saturday morning coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. Two full hours on Talk 94.5. Yeah. 
I feel fine. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It's 721 on your Saturday morning, Saturday, May the 2nd, 2020. It's the end of the world as we know it, and we feel fine. It's sort of the theme for the last couple of months around here. It must be time for a coronavirus update. Let's do the numbers. According to the Worldometer site, current coronavirus case count, 3.417 million. That's 3,417,882 cases currently. According to the Worldometer site, the uh, current fatality count uh, worldwide, according to Worldometers, is 239,913. There are over 1 million uh, recovered cases from the coronavirus pandemic and the um, current case count in the United States according to Worldometers is 1,131,856 total cases that's 826 cases um, since the last update, total death toll in the United States now stands according to the Worldometer site which is always slightly higher than the Johns Hopkins numbers um, Stands currently at 65,782 fatalities here in these United States and uh, 29 deaths reported uh, yesterday. So that's the latest on the uh, on the numbers of the coronavirus pandemic. And a lot of data, we've talked about this, Glenn, a lot of data seems to suggest that the death toll from the coronavirus now being overreported. A lot of a lot of folks that are data indicates that they died from something else are actually being reported as coronavirus. But the hospitals get more money, yeah. don't they? Yeah. So hospitals. that skydiving accident, yeah. coronavirus. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the guy had the, guy had the COVID. Yeah. So it's COVID uh, fatality. Flesh-eating disease. COVID. Uh, yeah. It's all COVID. Anytime government gets involved, it starts to skew the numbers. That's just the way it goes. But uh, we'll... Um, We'll see where we go from here, but it, it obviously um, we're starting to see light at the end of the tunnel and all this. And I think we've all come to realize that perhaps um, we were all a little panicked. I think the question becomes now, how did we get so panicked and what do we do about it going media. forward? Media. Yeah. Media just drives. They want to sensationalize everything. I mean, we look at the weather today. You know, the Weather Channel's evolved um, it's, oh, yeah. it's so essential. You know, well, once upon a time, it was about the weather. It, exactly. But, you know, like they say, if Jim Cantori is coming to your town, you're screwed. You know, you are screwed. There, there are there are two things you need to look for in life. And one is a Waffle House closed. Yeah, exactly. The other one is a, is a Weather Channel van with Jim Cantori yeah. at the helm. And if you see either one of those in your town, you need to seriously think about shutting down and uh, moving on. Because yeah. something is about to break loose. Yeah, and it's you know it, we've got beautiful weather here in Myrtle Beach. Oh, I mean, yeah. this this yeah. weekend is is just think how we started out yesterday, and and today is going to be a high of seventy four sunshine, and the UV is high. Take the sunscreen, please. Yeah, don't um, get burned. Get your white butts out there and get burned on the first day, and then tomorrow we've got sunny skies and a high of eighty two. I mean, it is going to be sweet. Eighty three on Monday, and then in the in the seventies all week, and so. Yeah, the world screwed up, but yeah. where we live, pretty darn nice. We've had some we have had some beautiful weather during this pandemic. 
Yeah. I mean, it has been, uh, you know, we've had a few rains here and there, but for the most part, the weather has been great. And of course, mm-hmm. we've, we've all been cooped up. The beaches have been closed. Yeah. So it'll be an interesting summer, folks. We'll see what happens. A lot to be sorted out. Again, the governor moving to uh, relax uh, issues, taking a lot of pressure. We'll talk a little bit about that. One of the... Um, one of our guests in the second hour coming up will be Tyler Servant. Tyler is a member of O'Ree County Council. He is uh, also was appointed by the governor to serve on this reopen South Carolina task force, which has been discussing um, the reactivation of South Carolina's economy. We'll talk to Tyler in the second hour. St- hope you all will stick around for that. And we've also got Steve Robertson coming on in the second hour, who is a candidate for uh, South Carolina House. We'll be talking to Steve also in the second hour. Hope you guys will stick around for that. But uh, to continue our discussion of the uh, coronavirus, the other interesting thing, Glenn, finally, in the last couple of days, you're starting to see stuff in the news that's not coronavirus updated, you know, coronavirus related. True. We're all just, oh, just please stop talking about the coronavirus. But well, I, I am, though, kind of fixated, and I, I want to know more about what actually happened in China. We've got some now some new information coming out. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it appears, at the tip of the iceberg, it appears that they were producing the drug that we are now saying could weeks before they let us know remdesivir they yeah remdesivir they were they were cornering the market on it basically before we even knew so there is one of the one of the two big well as you guys know if you've listened to the show there are a couple of questions that i have found to be paramount throughout this process one is getting to the bottom of figuring out how this thing started because Mm -hmm. as everyone knows we were told early on this was a natural progression natural evolution of a virus that emerged out of a wet market in uh, wuhan china in the hubei province there in central china no harm no foul these things happen just keep moving along nothing to see here that was the official story (laughs) coming out of communist china and it now is demonstrably clear Glenn, that was an absolute, that was just propaganda. That's all that was. Yeah. Not we, As we talked about this show on this show weeks ago, the story never really held much water for me because we knew early on, based on the testimony of some of the doctors, that there was a patient zero outside of the wet market who entered the wet market that was the source, that was the vector for the disease to those folks in the wet market who first became affected. That mm-hmm. much we knew, I think, six weeks ago. Don't know exactly when we talked about that on this show, but we've talked about it. But now we have got all kinds of information that they were experimenting, collecting samples from bats, that they were working with the very bats that they later claimed were the the source of the virus. They were, um, uh, you know, they were there. And I'll I'll talk about it uh, in in just a second here. But there's a study out from uh, British intelligence that now says that the, 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 the British have said that they believe over 90% of the 239,000 deaths that have now been reported, so uh, well over 200,000 people, would not have died worldwide, Mm -hmm. according to the British uh, intelligence, uh, if the Chinese had simply been more forthcoming about this virus. So they've got a lot to answer for. And when we talk about these things, I want to say one thing we're not talking about the chinese people i have a lot of friends who are chinese i've got a lot of clients who are chinese 
Chinese people, by and large, are wonderful people, but the manner in which they are governed by, which we talk about often on this show, the jackboot of a bunch of communist thugs. And so when we talk about China, we're, I want to be clear, we're not talking about all the Chinese people. Many Chinese uh, live in this area. I have many Chinese uh, friends who are clients. Yeah. They're wonderful people. Yeah. But the Chinese Communist Party is a force for evil in this world. And they do not have our uh, good at heart. No. And they are, not, uh, they are not our friends. They have not been our friends through this process. And they have caused the Chinese Communist Party and the leadership of, of the nation of China has caused a great deal of death and suffering worldwide as a result mm -hmm. of the way they've handled this. And that has to, we have to get to the bottom of that. The other question I've asked from the beginning is why were we caught so far off guard? Why were we caught so unawares? Yeah. And there's you know, a few questions that we have to answer. So we've got to keep talking. About we'll be ready this. next time. Yeah, we yeah. need to be more ready. Yeah. So stick with us. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors with more Saturday Morning Coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. Stick around. We'll be right back. Saturday Morning Coffee. Call the show at 843-903-2945. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour returns after these on Talk 94.5. Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5. Everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. I am your host, Reese Boyd, and it is 7.35 on your Saturday morning, Saturday, May the 2nd. Can't believe it's May. It's May, and it's that's, 58 that's, degrees. That's part of the problem, <laughs> Glenn. Somebody has stolen my spring. What? When, when is our, when is my, you know... We don't know what day it is anymore. The coronavirus. I don't stole even know what spring. I don't even know what month it is. It stole the spring in your step as well. You lost two springs on one. So uh, happy belated uh, May Day to you guys. I know all you socialists out there want to celebrate your May Day uh, weekend. 1889 May Day was chosen as the date for International Workers' Day by the Socialist and Communist of the Second International to commemorate the Haymarket Affair in Chicago. International Workers' Day is also called May Day, but it is a different celebration than the traditional uh, May Day. It is a uh, cultural and, uh, but generally a socialist holiday. Do you remember when you were a kid, we were kids, uh, big uh, military uh, uh, parades that they would have in the Soviet Union on, oh, yeah. in Moscow. Oh, yeah. on, uh, like on, China still has. Oh, yeah, yeah. like China has. <laughs> yeah. yeah, kind of like China today. Yeah. <laughs> kind of <Yeah>. like China. <laughs> yeah. But uh, remember those uh, huge uh, mobile missile launchers mm -hmm. that they would roll through Red Square? Yeah. And the, you know, the 
the pol- members of the Politburo would sit up on that high ledge, that big platform, and you know, uh, uh, what was the guy's name? Brezhnev, you know, standing looking down sternly at the crowd. Oh, it's always as a kid that always gave me the creeps because <laughs> I was thinking. Those missiles are aimed at our guys. Those Pretty missiles, much. Those missiles yeah. are aimed at us, yeah. you know? Pretty much. And um, so but they're not doing much of that anymore, Glenn. Well, I don't think they're aimed at us anymore either. I think, you know, well, I mean. Yeah, at least not in the Soviet Union. Yeah. Well, you know, Russia, uh, who, who knows where we go with Russia. Putin's off the rails. But I think we at the moment we have bigger, bigger fish yeah. to fry. But we can't take our off the ball. But, um, but yeah, I remember those well, those parades, uh, those Mayday parades as a uh, child uh, watching those mobile missiles getting creeped out. What have you heard about the coronavirus in Russia? Very little. What, yeah. have, you, what have you heard about the coronavirus in Iran? Um, well, they did. I know they did have a problem, but. Oh, um, yeah. But, Huge problem. Yeah, but not, not nothing like we're not hearing anything out of Russia like Russia's. In good shape. Well, and look at look at just last week, Glenn. Uh, new coronavirus cases in China went to zero. Yeah, I mean, if you believe that, yeah. I have some beachfront property mm-hmm. in Arizona. I want you to come take yeah. a look at. And that's the problem. Obviously, we we, we talk. We have skews. We we have influences in our own systems of information gathering and reporting that skew the results, as we've talked about already this morning. Yeah. Hospitals getting more money if they report a COVID-19 death than if they don't. And so you've got skydivers involved in skydiving accidents who mysteriously enough are attributed to COVID-19. But nonetheless, in closed societies, I'm thinking of Iran, China, the Soviet Union, you cannot rely on the numbers that we're getting. China said they're, China would have led you to believe a week ago that they have totally beaten the coronavirus yeah. and there are no new cases, which is frankly preposterous yeah. but uh, that's they burned they a lot of bodies uh, yeah. a lot of people missing in a lot China. Of, a lot of people missing speaking of uh, uh coronavirus and our um response to it i will get to the piece momentarily that i posted online wanted to share something with you that was distributed by representative bill taylor bill taylor is a member of the south carolina house of representatives he represents district 86 over in aiken bill has been on the show he's a fan of the show a friend of the show rather He's been on the show to talk about the Convention of the States, ongoing effort to uh, add some additional uh, amendments to our Constitution by way of a constitutional uh, Convention of States. We've talked about that on the program before, and Bill's been on the program. He sent out this update, which I thought was uh, worth sharing. The imposition, uh, this from, again, Representative Bill Taylor over in Aiken, the imposition of stay-at-home orders on everyone hasn't worked well. Just take a look at the crowds at the big box stores and the grocery stores that were not closed by government edict. Big and small manufacturers are struggling. While remaining open, they have suffered from supply chain disruptions. Now we learn that our food supply chain is breaking. I'm optimistic by nature, so grim predictions do not come easily. American and South Carolina business owners are being starved out of their hard-earned livelihoods. Big businesses, small retailers, barbers hairstylists, cosmetologists, restaurants, and other business owners and their employees have suffered the consequences of a government-ordered shutdown. The livelihoods of hardworking employees have been throttled except for the lifeline of temporary government handouts. It's personal. Soon, families without income and little savings will face financial disaster and possible homelessness. Some entrepreneurs who risk everything to create businesses and create jobs, will be forced to shutter their doors. Bankruptcies will rise. Economic devastation 
could be widespread. It is time to reverse course. And that, again, is uh, Representative Bill Taylor in his uh, email update that he sent out this week. He notes, plagues and epidemics have ravaged humanity throughout its existence. Very true. True. This is, this yep. is not our first rodeo. No, it's not. Well, it's kind of ours, well, but not yeah. the country's. But as a country. Yeah. Yes, the coronavirus is more contagious than past epidemics, but it is also less deadly. By comparison, just look back a decade. The H1N1 swine flu mm-hmm. outbreak during mm-hmm. the Obama administration infected more than 60 million Americans and resulted in the death of more than 12,000. But at that time, there was no clamor for an economic shutdown. Schools and businesses were not ordered closed, and the CDC only recommended employers encourage physical distancing and keep sick workers at home. Regrettably, the initial COVID-19 computer-modeled predictions on which the current government-ordered shutdowns were based were wildly wrong, wildly wrong, mm-hmm. predicting as many as 2.2 American deaths. Thankfully, that is a far cry from reality. A two, far, a 2. far 2. cry. 2.2 million. Yeah. yeah. Two point, did I, what did I say? Just 2.2. Two oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I skipped, just missed the word million. I skipped, I skipped a, a fairly but important you, word. You, you remember the swine flu. We were concerned about it. Yeah. You know, I, I, oh, was, absolutely. I was loaded in an ambulance and taken to the hospital, and when they rolled me in, I remember being surrounded by people on gurneys thinking and saying to the ambulance drivers, I'm going to get the swine flu. Yeah. you got to get me out of here. Yeah. My my foot was going the wrong direction. I, you know, turned you my foot around backwards. <laughs> you know, I'm like, hey, yeah, yeah, <laughs> get, get me out of here. Yeah. And when they, when they said your code, code A, code 1, whatever, I said, what does that mean? They said, you're going to the front of the line unless somebody is having a heart attack. That's the only person that will beat you. So they got me to the front line and got yeah. me out of there. But for weeks, I worried that did I get the swine flu while I was in that hallway with all those people? But we we didn't we didn't do what we're doing now. Yet hindsight is should have we yeah. we got through it okay? Yeah. I think. I mean, we 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 have always had a more measured response to adversity. That's the thing. And and one of the things that has dawned upon me, Glenn, as we have worked our way through this. Where is that? We have we are a tough lot. <laughs> we're yeah. some we're some you know we're some tough folks, or at least historic. Let me say this: historically, we have been. Right now, you've you've heard me. You y'all have heard me say on this program, if our uh, great grandparents and grandparents had responded, or parents, however, whatever generation you fall in, if our uh, predecessors had responded to the challenge of fa- fascism and Nazism in the 1930s and the 1940s, the way we have responded to this virus, <laughs> we, yeah. we would be speaking German yeah. today. Yeah. I, mean, we, I think we really, going forward, there is nothing more important that this country can do than have a real deep introspective gut check. And mm-hmm. let's figure out why we responded to this the way we did. We, we now live in an age where everybody wants government to ensure that they feel no pain, government to ensure that they have no harm come to them. Y'all, that is not government's job. It is not government's job to ensure that nothing bad ever happens to you. There are risks in this world, and we should embrace those risks. Because by embracing risks in the world, we reap reward. We grow. We get bigger. We get better. If, if all we want, the socialists want you to go home, 
wrap up in your cocoon, wrap up your mm-hmm. in your cocoon and be safe yep. and be secure and wait for the next government check to arrive right but there's no future in that oh, you see people are not wanting to go back to work now yeah oh yeah <laughs> what the heck yeah, we, why would i want to go back to work who called that one i've got my bonbons yeah. Yeah. i've got my netflix yeah we called it no but i mean you know the, yeah but i AOC, like, oh, yeah. let's let's. Um, yeah. She doesn't. She doesn't protest. want. People, she doesn't yeah. want people to go back to work now. Yeah. yeah. Why would you go back to work? You're getting a paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. And then even uh, Pelosi floated a, a national yeah. check. Let's, why don't we payday. all stay home? Yeah. yeah. The government can just start printing paychecks for all of us every Friday, and we'll just stay home. Yeah. And and we'll grow our own vegetables, and it'll be no, all no, right. no. The government will send you the government vegetable truck. We'll oh, come okay. by. We'll drive <laughs> through your neighborhood once a week and drop a few tomatoes off on your doorstep. I want some of that cheese. That cheese was always good. I you don't have to do a thing. You guys don't have to do a thing. Just sit back and wait. I had a friend that uh, got the government cheese. That yeah. was some top of the line cheese. Oh yeah, that was you know, good stuff. Parent, on it. My parents were you any know, cheese that's served in a three foot by three foot <laughs> yeah. block. You know, you know it's bound to be good. They were serving. You know, my parents were buying like cheese food, cheese product. But that stuff that came off the truck was a hundred percent real cheese. That was that was the real deal. Yeah. You know, anytime you get a. Anytime you get a serving of cheese that weighs 10 pounds, you know you're getting the real deal, my friend. It was boxed like Velveeta, but it wasn't Velveeta. Yeah. Rise up, folks. Rise up. It's time to get back to work. It's time to stand up for your freedom. It's time to reassert all the things that have made this country great. Let's do it. Don't, don't, uh, don't sit down. Rise up. Let's get back at it. Right after these words from our sponsors, we'll be right back with more Saturday morning coffee. Don't leave town. Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. More Reese means more coffee. Coming up next on Talk 94.5. You're listening to the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. Saturday morning coffee on Talk 94.5. Got a girl from the south side. Got braids in her hair. First time I seen her walk by, and I about fell about my chair. Had to get her number, it took me like six weeks. Now me and her go way back, like Cadillac 6. Body like a back row, driving with my eyes closed. I know every curve like the back of my hand. Do 15 in Good morning, everybody. Welcome back. Me and her go way back. Way back, like Cadillac seats. You know, and I dig this because I was a country music guy. So. Oh, yeah. So thick and so sweet. Yeah. So sweet. I uh, love it. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, folks. Your Saturday morning excursion into broadcast excellence. Excellence as we help. If we can speak properly, we'll try. Uh, can't do much broadcast excellence without uh, proper enunciation. Hope you guys are enjoying the show. Stick, uh, stick around in the second hour. Coming up, we'll hear from Steve Robertson. Steve Robertson is a native of Conway. He is running for House District Seat 105, and uh, we'll be hearing uh, from him. Speaking of going way back, I've known Steve 
like forever. I grew up in his neighborhood. And uh, Steve's running for uh, South Carolina House. We'll be talking to him. We'll also be talking in the second hour with Tyler Servant, who is uh, part of the uh, task force that is uh, re-energizing South Carolina and uh, at the behest of the governor. So I hope you guys will stick around for that. We'll be talking to Tyler coming up at the bottom of the hour in the second uh, bonus second cup hour of Saturday morning coffee. Wanted to mention just before the break, you know, we were reading the piece that uh, Representative Bill Taylor uh, distributed, and he was talking about the models. And this came up this week on the Liz Calloway show, folks. You will hear folks say that, and this is not one or two people you'll hear say this, you will hear folks say that. Um, that the reason that the, you know, the initial 2.2 million deaths never happened is that government intervened and that there has been aggressive lockdowns and various countermeasures that were enacted by your very, your very intelligent, thoughtful, wise local and state governments. And um, that if it had not been for those actions, that there would have been substantially more death. But weren't they calling for 2.2 even with the government restrictions and the lockdowns? Yeah, you know, exactly. I mean... Exactly. Yeah. And and some of you, frankly, some of you wise and erudite listeners who listen to my words, and, and, and by the way, test me. When I say something that you guys disagree with, I invite you to text in. I invite you to call into the show. Set me straight. If you can, bring it on. That's what we do in the coffee house. We talk. We talk about issues. We engage uh, our First Amendment freedoms, and we sort these things out. That's how the free market of ideas works. That's how we get to right answers, folks. We talk about things. We talk about policy. We talk about what works, what isn't working. That's how we sort these things out. Even this week, Liz Calloway interviewing Lieutenant Governor Pam Evett. Yep. And and I'll listen— I, I like the governor. I, I love the lieutenant governor. She's great. Not de- not detracting from the work that she's done. But she repeated this tripe about, you know, if it hadn't been for all these aggressive business closures, social mm-hmm. distancing, lockdowns, that we would have had way more in the way of fatalities that we've had. I've heard the mayor. I've heard Mayor Bethune say that social distancing was working. We'd have a lot more. Fa- we don't know that. What? Remember, folks, one of the things that you can know is that what we don't know far outweighs what we know, even today. Now, we're replacing, thankfully, we're replacing our initial reliance on models with data. Data is becoming available. But even as recently as this week, Lieutenant Governor Evett, in an interview with our own Liz Calloway, said, well, the, the models predicted certain things initially, and those predictions did not come to pass because we did these things, because we locked right, down the economy, right. because we shut down the barbershops, because we shut down the restaurants, because we shut down all the nail salons, because we shut these things down, all these fatalities did not happen. See how, see how intelligent and smart yeah, we are. Yeah. Aren't you glad we tell you guys— Thank God. Aren't you glad we're here to tell you guys how to live because otherwise— all these folks would have been that. No, that's not. We what, would have been dead. Yeah, probably. we would have been dead. Hey, let, me, let me ask you your, your hypothetical situation. You got tickets to a great show. The show's in six weeks. It's in a stadium. Are you still planning on going, or you want a refund? Six weeks from now. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the interesting thing, because of the way we have responded, because we have freaked everybody out. Mm-hmm. 
people are not, it's not going to be business as usual, folks, just because the governor steps out on a platform in Columbia and says, hey, we're open. Right. They don't, as much as they might like to think so, as much as they might enjoy exercising the power, people are freaked out. Yeah, Many and, and, people and are freaked out. Who wants to go to a concert with a mask on? I mean, how are you supposed to drink your beer? Yeah, I mean, and. So when the reason I, I ask, I sound, I sound bad when I sing without a mask. When I sing under a mask, <laughs> you're not you know, the good mask singer. I'm are not, you? No, I'm not. I'm not the good mask singer. Right. But it, uh, the reason I ask is Garth Brooks was playing tonight in Charlotte. I have tickets. Oh, you do? It was it was postponed till June 13th. Yeah, I'm still not sure. And they're offering us a refund if we'd like because. Yeah. yeah. But I'm not sure that that's even going to happen. But if it does, am I going to want to be the one of the people there, the participant, I don't think Carol feels comfortable with it. We've talked about it. Yeah. I'm not feeling really comfortable with it. You're going to be the guinea pig for the entertainment industry? Well, no, I'm, yeah. and that's why I say I, I, I don't even know if it'll come off, you know, if they'll actually have the uh, Well, the and an, another interesting thing, Glenn, airlines. We've got travel plans for the summer. We were going to take the kids out to Yellowstone. Yep. My, my, my wife and I were like, we don't want to get on an airplane. Right. We want to do something else. Yeah. So we're like... Um, what are we going to do? We don't know. It'll probably cost less money. It'll probably good for cost you. Less money. Yeah, good but for before you. I, before I forget, let's finish the models. I want to make sure you guys understand this because you guys have taken me to text. Some of you have have texted in. By the way, thanks to uh, Albert and Tim, the car detail guy, Bobby, the vape guy, uh, all of you who have checked in this morning on the PCRX text line. Reporting is clear. The IMHE, the International Metric Health, you know, the 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 organization, the reporting organization that developed these models that we relied upon initially on April the 1st said these estimates, these models assume the strong continuation of statewide social distancing measures in places where they are already enacted and future adoption within the next seven days in States without them. Again, this is the IMHE, the author, one of the leading sources for all the modeling that was done. If such policies are relaxed or not implemented, the U.S. could experience a higher COVID-19 death toll and hospital burden than what our models currently predict. And again, this is the IMHE on April 1. On May, on March 30th, Deborah Burks, Dr. Burks, Dr. Scarf, at the White House press briefing said, so in the model, there's large confidence intervals, so it's anywhere between 80 and 160,000, maybe even potentially 200,000 people succumbing to coronavirus. That is with mitigation. Those were her words on March 30th. In that model, they make the full assumption that we continue doing exactly what we're doing, but even better, in every metro area with a level of intensity. So it's very clear if you go back and review the literature, these models had social distancing and, and, and lockdowns and everything baked into them, and they were still wildly inaccurate. So all of these policy decisions that we've made, the shutting down one half of our economy virtually overnight, we've done that. Your government has done that in reliance on models that were statistically disastrously wrong. Yeah, that's what I think. Well, we've uh, made it to the end of the first hour, folks. After this word from our sponsors and a news break at the top of the hour, we'll be back with more Saturday morning coffee. I hope you'll stick around for the bonus second cup hour. It's going to be a great part of the show. Stick around. Don't leave town. We'll be right back. The white choice for conservative insight. This is 
94.5. WTKN. Merle's Inlet, Myrtle Beach. Talk 94.5. Thanks for waking up with Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5. Fifty-eight degrees. You step out this morning. Today, mostly sunny. High of seventy-seven. Tomorrow, sunshine. Glorious sunshine. Eighty-six degrees tomorrow. Now back to the second half. Uh, second hour. Saturday morning coffee. Three sport radio hours. Thank you, Glenn. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. I am your host, Reese Boyd, and this is Saturday Morning Coffee. Wow. Glenn, you were talking about not wanting to go to a concert. Have you seen the uh, GIF that's been being passed around the Internet? Somebody created a graphic of how germs get spread within an airplane cabin once somebody sneezes. Have you seen that graphic? I haven't seen that one. I've seen some other things. It's a real treat. It's a real treat. It makes you want to go book a ticket. Yeah, it really, it really, and you know, JetBlue now saying you're going to have to wear a mask if you fly JetBlue. People are not going to immediately spring back to life. See, that's that's the thing. That's the delusion of power, folks. These governors, and I'm not talking about our specific governor uh, specifically. Uh, Maybe I'm talking about the knucklehead in Michigan, various others. But you know, these you give these folks power, and they think they just speak it, and it's so. They, they can't speak the economy into existence. They, they can't speak a job. Government has never created, in the true sense of the word, a single job, folks. The only thing, always keep this in mind, the only thing that government can do is take money from you <laughs> and give it to somebody else. In a, in a larger sense, government can borrow money from you, your grandchildren, which somebody will have to pay back one day. They can give that money to somebody else, but government does not. Government is not a vehicle for wealth creation. There's no capital formation that happens within government. The only thing that government does is it rearranges the balances in everybody's accounts. That's the only thing that government can do. Government governors cannot walk out on stage and say, "Okay, the economy's back in." Or you know, they don't have that power. They may like, they would like to have that power. They may think they have that power, but they don't. Funny thing, uh, Glenn. I, understand the, our friends in Michigan, um, the governor's upset that they're uh, protesting and that, oh, they're actually carrying guns. Yeah. Shut, in, into shut, the state house. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Shudder the thought. And and by the way, I, I saw some of the photos. I don't know if I would have selected some of those representatives <laughs> to represent me, but, you know, that, be that as it may, folks, I want to remind y'all something. The United States Constitution, we need to do this occasionally. I learned this with my daughter. We were talking about something in a, in, a, in a school lesson, and she said something about the Bill of Rights. And I started asking her what, what, uh, you know, what was the Bill of Rights, and many questions she could answer, but many she couldn't. And she had this general nebulous concept of the Bill of Rights. Right. And, uh, but she didn't know what the specific amendments are, and that's important. You need to know what the specific – you need to know what your Constitution says. I've got a little – I've got many, many copies of a it's a pocket copy of the constitution i carry with me i keep it with my show notes i want to read you guys something congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting free exercise thereof or abridging abridging that means in any way lessening or shrinking or abridging the freedom of speech 
or of the press or of the right of the people to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for the redress of grievances. Folks, that, those are the first words. Those are the fir- that is Amendment 1 to the United States Constitution. I want you guys to keep a couple of things in mind. The states got together to create the federal government. The states are the parent. The federal government is the child. And they got together to create this new thing that was going to make things better, this federal government that was going to allow them to cooperate and do more together as one than they could have done as 13 separate states. And they came up with this structure, brilliant, honestly, had to go all the way back to Rome to figure out a a, a historical precedent for what free government looks like, but they did it. But then they said, there's no way that this is going to work. No way, nobody's going to agree to this unless we come up with a package of guarantees that assure people that this thing that we're creating is not going to take away their freedom. That's issue number one. So they put together 10 amendments, what we now know as the Bill of Rights, that were passed all as part of a package deal. You got the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. They knew the only thing that would work would be to sell it as a package deal. And what's the first thing? What's the first thing in that list? Congress shall make no law establishing the res- uh, respecting an establishment of religion. First words out of their mouth. Not going to establish a religion, and we're not going to prevent you from the free exercise of your religion. And, and right up there at, the, at very close to the top of the page in the first sentence is the right of the people to peaceably assemble and to petition their government for the redress of grievances. Isn't it interesting that in North Carolina, when folks started uh, protesting all that's going on around us, the lockdown, the destruction of small business, the destruction of restaurants, the destruction of hair salons, the destruction of life savings, many families' life savings have been destroyed by all of this, y'all. And the knuckleheads in Raleigh had the absolute ignorant gall to publish a document, a press release that says, and I quote, protesting is not an essential activity? Are you kidding me? There is nothing, folks, there is nothing more essential. There is nothing more essential than you standing up in the town square with a sign that says, my governor is a thug, if that's what you believe. There is nothing more essential in this, in this democracy that happens than that. Fighting fires isn't more essential. Taking people to the hospital isn't more essential. There is nothing that happens in this democracy that is more essential than that. And that is why when the framers of the Constitution sat down, the fir- when they figured out how are we going to sell this, how are we going to convince these people that we're not going off the ledge, the first thing they did was write a Bill of Rights. And at the very top of the page in the Bill of Rights was the First Amendment. It's not non-essential. It is the most essential thing about it overlays everything that happens, everything that happens around us. So um, without that, we're, we're no different from the police states that we've been talking about this morning. Without that, we're no different from China. Without that, we're no different from Iran. Without that, we're no different from Russia. Interestingly enough, I want to hit this real quick, and then we're going to get to our guest. This is the piece that I posted on Facebook, Coronavirus Economic Danger, and this is, on, this is from MSN. Coronavirus is economic danger exponentially greater than the health risk to the public. If the virus goes directly, if the virus does directly affect your life, it is most likely to be through stopping you from going to work, forcing your employer to make you redundant, 
or bankrupting your business. The trillions of dollars wiped out of financial markets this week will be just the beginning. If governments do not step in, and if President Trump continues to stumble in his handling of the situation, it may well affect his chances for re-election. Joe Biden has already identified the potential weakness that COVID-19 represents, a promising, steady, reassuring leadership in America's hour of need. The uh, virus will economically cripple millions, especially since the economic, basically they're saying deaths will be finite. Yes, many people will die. But the deaths will be finite, but it will economically cripple millions, especially since the epidemic has formed a perfect storm of stock market crashes and an oil war between Russia and Saudi Arabia. We may look back on the coronavirus as the moment when the threads that hold the global economy together became unstuck and startups and growing businesses like mine wound up paying the price. Just as important as fighting the virus, if not more important, is vaccinating our economies against the incoming pandemic of panic. Human suffering can come in the form of illness and death, but it can also be experienced as not being able to pay your bills or losing your home. It's a great article. I'll share it. It's from MSN. It's uh, written by a gentleman by the name of um, Omar Hassan. He's an economic... uh, Development specialist wrote a great article. We'll share it on the uh, Facebook page, but it was shared like 800 times. And uh, it's very true. The economic damage that we've done, ultimately, probably going to be more costly than the direct impact of the virus itself from a public health perspective. Not economic, but from a public health perspective. Folks, uh, stick with us. Right after the break, we're going to get to Steve. We've got a caller. I see Ferris. You're holding on patiently. Um, We're going to get to Steve Robertson, candidate for the House. After these words from our sponsors, we'll be right back with more Saturday Morning Coffee. Don't leave town. Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour, is now two full hours. More Reese coming up next on Talk 94.5. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour, two full hours on Talk 94.5. everybody welcome back to saturday morning coffee the reese boyd radio hour 8 20 a.m on your saturday morning saturday may the 2nd 2020 welcome back to the bright side of the road life looking up sun's out beautiful day outside hope you guys will get outside and enjoy the beach spend some time outside by the way i hear i heard through the grapevine on the coconut telegraph that there might be a gathering of red hats at uh, Bowie's on the boulevard in North Myrtle Beach at about 12 noon today. I don't know how many of you are interested in a little civil disobedience, but uh, uh, somebody has passed that message along to me, all you red hats out there. Uh, Of course, we do not condone anything that might get anybody thrown in jail, but I'm just passing information along. Um, 
Wanted to uh, give you guys a quick heads up on that. And joined here uh, on the show today, as I promised in the first hour, by Steve Robertson. Steve uh, and his wife, Cheryl, have lived in Ory County since 1973. Steve is the, or has been, the publisher of the Ory Independent. He became the head of uh, an organization that now publishes uh, six more newspapers in various communities throughout the county. I'm sure if you have been around these parts for more than uh, a few months, you've read uh, one or more of his papers, including the Myrtle Beach Herald, uh, the Loris uh, Sentinel, and the Carolina Forest Chronicle, various other papers that are published. Of course, the, the first paper was the Ori Independent. That is the, uh, that is the paper that I grew up uh, reading. And uh, Steve is now a candidate for the South Carolina House of Representatives. I believe he's passed the torch in the publishing business to uh, his son. And he has decided to run for the House. And as you, as you guys have heard me say many times on this program, I encourage, applaud anybody. We love it when, uh, when citizen legislators uh, step up to the plate to take a swing, put their, put their lives uh, on hold, put themselves out there, put their families out there. It's not an easy thing to do. And as uh, so we applaud folks who do that, Steve is joining us today. Steve is on the line. And uh, Steve, can you hear me? Yeah. How about you, Reese? I'm, uh, I'm well. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. I've been sitting here listening in fascination at your commentary at the top of the hour, nodding my head in agreement, particularly with your comments regarding the Bill of Rights and how they've been trampled during this uh, pandemic. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very uh, discouraging. And I, you know, my concern, Steve, and I know we want to get to your campaign, but my concern is that this episode simply becomes a dry run for the next big thing whatever the whatever the real crisis is and and government has learned by demonstration from many of our citizens how quickly we will lay down our rights and based on puny scientific evidence frankly i mean the models all this was based on models models that are now demonstrably drastically wrong so yeah and 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 interestingly yeah. enough steve be curious about this you know it's not just it's not just government trampling on our rights you know, there were many people. The, the polling still suggests there's still a lot of polling out there that says more Americans than not support the continuation of a lockdown. I'm like, what? I mean, it, it, it's it's either the polling is wrong, and that's that is uh, something we need to keep in mind. But there were people not just tolerating, but people going to the governor on social media saying, "Please lock me down, lock me down." I mean, folks, it's a free country. If you feel safe at home then stay at home. That's what freedom is all about. If you want to lock yourself down, you can do that. But it's not, not only have we tolerated it, but many of us have asked for our rights to be suspended. Well, I, I, I have to agree with that. I mean, I'm in that age that is considered susceptible, Reese, but my, my philosophy has to do what's best for the greater good. And, it, and in this situation, we've pretty much burned the village down just to save it. And I have to question, uh, you know, the political thought of our leaders during this crisis. <clears throat> yes, um, we're very fortunate that the virus hasn't spread further and caused more deaths than it has already. But look at what cost. Uh, I'm a businessman. I, you know, even though I'm in the newspaper business, that's a business. And I've seen our revenues plummet. I've had to consider furloughing people, and that's just my business. The ones I really feel sorry for are restaurant business and people in the tourism industry that 
have had no choice but to shut down. And that's pretty draconian, Reef. Yeah, yeah, it, it really is. And, you know, you see uh, you see these memes. I know we, we, we communicate by memes now. You see these memes and these police officers out on the beach and they're arresting people. And they're saying, well, you know, why aren't you at Walmart? And you, you, you see people congregating at places like Walmart. You know, nothing. I'm, listen, it's nothing personal against Walmart, but just the, as I have said many times on this program, Steve, I think conservatives want to be law-abiding citizens. We want, we, we respect the rule of law more than anybody else. Conservatives stand. One of our founding principles, our baseline non-negotiables, is a respect for the rule of law. You know, there's, there's two choices in life. Either the law is king or the king is law. You know, it's, it's Rex Lex or it's Lex Rex. One or the other. Either the law has to be king or the king gets to make the rules. And so as conservatives, we have to stand for the rule of law. We don't have any choice. But we want to believe that the people making the law, the people who are handing down these decrees, we, we want to hope they have an IQ over 30. And we want to hope that they have some rational basis for what they're doing. And I think in many cases here, the people who have been handing down the rules, passing out the regulations, have been listening way too much to just the public health people, just the public health officials, just the epidemiologists, and not the economists, not the, not the people who have the kind of the broader worldview, who understand what you just said. What is the real world impact of what we're doing here? I mean, newspapers... Um, everybody, restaurants, businesses have been destroyed. And these are not businesses that will just, you know, pop back like, you know, you know, like space monkeys when you add water. I mean, the businesses don't just immediately come back. I mean, so I, I have clients, Steve, that have lost, lost their life savings in all this, you know? Oh, so. yeah, it's, it's just terribly sad. And, and Reese, that's one of the reasons I'm running for this office. Ex- ex- this excellent thing, excellent I- segue. Tell us why you're running, Steve. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, a number of reasons, I guess. First and foremost, I, you know, I think District 105 in Horry County needs a stronger voice in Columbia. Uh, Reese, it's sad, but the, the current District 105 representative hasn't introduced and passed a single bill in the House since he's elected eight years ago. And that's just not the kind of repre- representation I think we need. Yeah. And particularly in light of what we just talked about. Just think of all the challenges and the difficult decisions that are going to have to be made in the next um, year or two years, who knows, maybe even longer than that, at the local, county, and state and federal levels. I think, Reese, we really do need someone who has the experience and foresight, and I'd say even the passion to speak up on behalf of our district and our county and our state. And, Reese, I think I'm the man for the job. So what are the issues that motivate you, Steve? What keeps you fired up? What gets you get you out of bed in the morning? What 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 will be the uh, issues that you that you uh, advocate for uh, most most fiercely when you get to Columbia, or if you if you're successful, if the folks elect you? Sure. Well, um, before I retired and passed the torch to my son, I was getting up and making sure that our newspapers were successful and they were getting news, really accurate factual news to our our readers. Nowadays, it's how do we deal with this this terrible crisis that's confronting our nation? You know, before the pandemic happened, the biggest story I can recall reporting on was last year, a flood of two years ago, and the terrible impact it had on our community. <clears throat> but now, uh, I think the focus of the South Carolina General Assembly is definitely going to be 
trying to overcome the the disastrous policies some of our leaders have made during the pandemic, and also how do we uh, come out from under this mountain of debt that that we're incurring during the pandemic? Mm. Um, the government's passing out money like it's candy, but someone's got to pay that bill, Reese. Yeah. And uh, when the decisions are made on, on how do we make up for shortfalls and income taxes and sales taxes and hospitality taxes, I want to be part of that discussion. So that that's my primary um, focus for running. And, you know, I, I really do feel like I have a lot of skills that I can bring to the job, Reese. And, uh, you know, if you'd like for me to talk about them, I will, if you want to go in a different direction. No, I think that's great. We've got to... We've got to go to a brief uh, break. Steve, can you hang with us through the break? Absolutely. Yeah, we'll be right back, folks. That's a great point, Steve. I love what you said about the debt. We've got to address that. Folks, after these words from our sponsors, we'll be right back with more Steve Robertson and more Saturday Morning Coffee. Don't leave town. Talk Saturday morning coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5. Saturday morning coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. Two full hours on Talk 94.5. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. Just a little something for the pain. Hospital food getting us down. I hope you guys have not had to deal with any hospital food lately. Um, Talking to Steve Robertson, joining us on the show this morning. Steve's a candidate for South Carolina House, District 105. And just before the break, Steve was telling us about some of the massive uh, problems that we face and some of the things that we'll be dealing with in the General Assembly over the next probably several years, Steve. But one of the things you mentioned was the debt. I could not agree with you more. Many people on this show who listen regularly have heard me say this statistic. It took us 41 presidents to get to $6 trillion in public debt, and we spent $6 trillion in one week a couple of weeks ago. Ultimately, somebody's got to pay the tab for all this. You know, I still scratch my head about how the government can just issue money like that and how we're going to repay it is, is a confounding problem, uh, one that's going to – it's just going to take many years for us to dig ourselves out from underneath this uh, race. And uh, I don't have an answer for it. I don't think most people do right now, but it's got to be addressed. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons – you know, we've talked about the Convention of States on this program. I haven't traditionally – been a a huge advocate of that but i've come to the conclusion that for whatever whatever the path to get there we need a federal balance budget amendment and i I think a convention may be the only way i'm not exactly sure what else congress has simply the the route to constitutional amendment to provide budgetary fiscal sanity 
at the federal level has just never worked. Never, It's never been, and, and people have been trying for decades, as long as I've been alive and even longer, to get something done. And yeah, I, I don't have any immediate answer for you either, but we've got to address that issue because you just can't keep spending money that you don't have, Steve. You can't keep printing money that isn't there. Sooner or later, something will break. There's no, there is oh, no yeah. free lunch, ultimately. Absolutely. I, I, I wish we could get a balanced budget amendment, too. You know, one of the things I do admire about our state government is that we do operate within a, a balanced budget most years. In fact, had a billion-dollar surplus uh, before this pandemic hit. Yeah. So, um, you know, I have to applaud Governor McMaster and some of his predecessors and some of the legislators who uh, made our state physically responsible. Wish we could duplicate that at the federal level. Absolutely. <laughs> Steve, anything else you want to share with the voters uh, before we let you go? Any other issues you want to yeah, mention I, briefly? I, I did want to, you know, I am applying for a job with uh, with the voters of District 105, and I want mm-hmm. to let them know uh, kind of what my skill set is. Brief, I guess I'm kind of blessed to have lived the American dream. In 1980, I had this idea for creating a locally owned newspaper, serving Horry County, called the Horry Independent. And I'm sure you read that paper for many years growing up in Conway. And I, <clears throat> I surrounded myself with uh, just a lot of great people, and we really worked hard. And we gave people the news that they could read and trust. And we used that same recipe to build six other newspapers serving communities in Horry County. But, you know, as a newspaper publisher and a journalist for more than 45 years, one of the most important traits I learned was to just sit down and listen to people. When when I go out and interview someone, I, I want to hear their story. I want to hear what their problems are, their concerns. And then I go back and I research the matter. I talk to the right people. And then I would write a story that I hope would make the situation better. That skill set's going to come in handy if the voters of District 105 send me to Columbia. And then as a businessman, I know what it means to make a payroll and to pay your taxes on time. And as you said just a few minutes ago, how to operate with a balanced budget. And as a concerned citizen, I've always believed in helping my fellow men and women. Over my career, I've been able to help all types of organizations succeed by providing publicity and free advertising and sometimes even my own sweat equity. And you know this, as being in the radio business, how important it is sometimes just to get people's word out. Yeah. And finally, I'm not afraid to voice my opinion. Uh, I've been writing a column in my papers for four decades, and anybody who reads my papers knows that I will state my mind, and I'll back it up with uh, good reasoning. So if I get to Columbia, I'm going to be a loud voice and a reasoned voice for my district and my state. I will not be ineffective like uh, like our current uh, representative. And, and other just, than that, I would just say, yeah, go ahead, Reese. No, go ahead, please. Uh, you know, I just go back to a, one of my uh, favorite sayings by Mark Twain. He said one time that politicians and diapers need to be changed regularly for the same reason. And I think it's time for a change. Yeah. I have uh, heard it said on the campaign trail in years past, uh, Steve, that term limits are a bad idea whose time has come. And I've I've come to believe (laughs) that their time has come. I think we need more citizen legislators like yourself 
uh, making the trek to Columbia, making the trek to Washington to uh, to do the job as the founders intended for it to be done. Uh, Steve, if folks want to get in touch with your campaign, how can they find you? Well, the easiest way would be to go to my website. It's a real simple one, orystrong.com. Uh, you're also welcome to just give me a, a, a call. Is it okay to give you my phone number? Oh, sure. Right? Please. Absolutely. Sure. All right. Uh, 843-325-1500. Be glad to talk to you on the phone. And then I also have an email address, which is Robertson, the number 4105, Robertson4105 at gmail.com. Okay, Steve. Well, that's... You can also find me on find me on Facebook. Too. Sure, sure, absolutely. And mm-hmm. folks, we've been talking to Steve Robertson, who is a candidate for South Carolina House of Representatives, District 105. And Steve, thanks for coming on the program. You are running against Kevin Hardy, who is the incumbent in that seat. And I want to mention to Representative Hardy and all candidates, if there are other candidates in the race, I don't believe there are. But in any of these interviews that we do, all candidates are invited to come on the show. Uh, we have an open mic policy here at uh, Saturday Morning Coffee. So anybody else, Representative Hardy or other candidates in the race that would like to come on and tell the voters why they think they're the best choice, we invite you guys to be in touch. We'll also get you on the show. Steve, thanks for joining us today again. I, I My heartfelt uh, congratulations go out to anybody who has the courage and the fortitude to put their name on the ballot. That's what this country is all about. I mean, that is, speaking of essential services, Uh, There is nothing more essential in our democracy than what you are doing right now. And I thank you for your service and uh, come back on the show anytime. If we can, uh, if there's other stuff you want to share with the voters, we'd love to hear from you. Good luck to you. What's the web address for your campaign? One more time. Uh, Orystrong.com. Great. Thanks. I appreciate this. Uh, Keep up the good fight, my man. You're doing great work there. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Steve. Good to talk to you, folks. That's Steve Robertson, candidate for House Seat 105. Thanks for joining us, Steve. Folks, coming up on the show, we've got another interview. Actually, we've run a little bit, uh, we're running a little bit behind today. I've got another interview with Tyler Servant. Tyler Servant is actually already on the line. So I'm just going to switch gears here, go from one guest to another. Tyler is on uh, county council and currently serving, representing the south end of the county on Ory County Council, but has recently been appointed uh, to the governor, to by the governor to a task force to... Uh, to address the reopening of South Carolina, and uh, we feel like that's an important uh, topic, is um, is uh, something that you guys would want to hear about. Uh, Tyler, are you are you? Can you hear me this morning? Hey, Reese. Good morning. Thank you for having me on. Oh, you're quite welcome, my friend. You uh, you of course are serving on county council. You what's your what district do you represent, Tyler? So I represent District Five on Horry County Council. It's the southern part of Horry County. Um, encompassing Merle's Inlet, the Burgess community, Surfside, and then Garden City as well. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you and I have an interesting history, Tyler. We we actually met on the campaign trail, did we not? We did, and uh, I believe this is probably the first time we're talking live um, to the broader face of people in Horry County since prior our last debate. Uh, yeah, we, um, we we Tyler and I were in a race, folks, in uh, 2014 for the very county council seat that he holds and there were uh, four people in the race and uh, Tyler and I made it to a runoff and I think you beat me by 178 votes if I remember correctly <laughs> not that I'm keeping score but uh, as I recall but Tyler and I have uh, developed a good relationship uh, since it's an interesting uh, interesting story and I, I and let me just say publicly Tyler uh, I give you a hard time about sending you a bill for the campaign, and, and you give me a hard time about sending me a bill for all the time you've spent on county council. 
I think by and large you've been a, you've been a, a very good voice on council, a conservative voice on council, and and I'm happy to call you my councilman. I want to thank you for your service there. We've actually got to take a break, Tyler. Can, obviously, you haven't said anything yet, so I hope you'll stick with us through the break. We'll be right back with uh, more Tyler Servant folks and uh, more Saturday morning coffee. Tyler, we'll be right back. Don't leave town. Saturday morning coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour, and more coming up next on Talk 94.5. Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5. Good. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. I am Reese Boyd, your host. It's 849 on your Saturday morning, Saturday, May the 2nd. Want to give a shout out to Albert and uh, Bobby the Vapor and Tim the Car Detail Guy, plus Will, uh, various folks you have texted in this morning on the PCRX uh, text line, our text list of deplorables. You guys are the thing that make the world go round. Uh, Will texted in, careful speaking truth to power, Reese. This has consequences. Great show as usual. Preach the truth. I love it. And uh, so thanks, Will. That's a great compliment coming from a man who knows truth when he hears it. And we're talking this morning to my friend Tyler Servant. Tyler represents uh, Surfside Beach, Garden City, Merle's Inlet, the Burgess community on Ory County Council. And uh, has done, as I was saying just before the break, sorry, Tyler, didn't mean to give you an intro without an opportunity to speak, but I was trying to milk every second out of that last segment. Tyler represents those areas on every county council and has done, as I said before the break, a fine job. Uh, I mean that sincerely, Tyler. You've been a you've been a conservative voice on council, which was my main goal when I ran, and I'm proud to call you my friend, and I'm and I'm uh, proud to call you my councilman. So, uh, what do you think about? You were also recently uh, appointed by the governor. Another great honor to serve on this re-energized South Carolina task force. What's uh, what's that all about? Well, first, Reese, I appreciate your kind words, and I often tell people it's easy to um, run as a Republican and a conservative during a campaign, but it's a whole different story when you get on council and have to take votes. And often we see Republicans across the country run under um, our banner, but often get in um, office and vote for tax increases and um, and don't uphold the values that they, they first campaigned on. Um, but um, I also am serving on Accelerate SC. Um, the governor called me and asked me to serve, and I was honored to do it. And, you know, the whole goal of this committee, in my opinion, was um, to open up our economy at a fast pace and in a responsible manner. And we met for the first time just nine days ago. And since meeting, I think we've done just that. Um, We've been able to open up restaurants for outdoor dining come Monday. Short-term rentals and hotels are back open. Um, As we know, Horry County has an unemployment rate that's um, pushing the mid-30%, so almost one in Every four workers is unemployed here in Horry County, and we have to get back to opening up our economy and supporting our tourism industry, which is the lifeblood of our area. Yeah. And hopefully we'll have a good summer and hurricane-free. Yeah, let's pray that we uh, don't have any other natural disasters to deal with uh, this season. And what's your take? I know you know, the, you know the rental market well, Tyler, and your family in the rental business and Surfside there. Beaches, the beaches have been closed. The hotels have been closed now for many weeks. What is your 
sense of, as we said earlier on the show, the governor can't just speak the economy back into being, of course. You know, people have got to be willing to get on airplanes. They've got to be willing to travel. They've got to be willing to spend money. And, of course, this has everybody a little bit freaked out. What is your, what is your sense of how this thing starts back up? I know, I know nobody has a crystal ball. I'm not trying to put you on the spot. But how do you see our local economy recovering, and, and how can the task force help that? Is there anything the governor can do to really help that other than just lift the restrictions? Well, I think you kind of highlighted on um, what sets Myrtle Beach so far apart from other destinations earlier on your show. I think you mentioned that um, you're going to be delaying your trip to Yellowstone and probably driving somewhere instead of flying. And that's what makes Myrtle Beach so special. It's uh, driving distances away from a lot of the major northeastern states that are are, are our major market. So I think you're going to see a, a big influx of tourism here because people can get in their cars and drive within eight hours or nine hours to Myrtle Beach and come to our beaches and so i was talking to a hotel owner in north myrtle beach yesterday and he says he has 100 percent occupancy um for this weekend and so you know that's uh, a great thing it's going to be a good thing for our restaurants in Horry county a great thing for our retailers and um i think we're going to have a good summer so it's um just important for government to get out of the way and allow the um, free markets to work and our, our economy to get going again amen to that what's your sense tyler on Sort of the big picture, the overall government response to all this. It's so much to talk about. I wish we had, you know, a couple of hours and we'll get you back on the show. But what has, in your mind, has the response been about right? Have we under-responded? Should we have done more? Have we overreacted? What's your, what's your sense? Well, I think there's so much unknown. Um, the data is just starting to come in from the response. Um, and I think Governor Henry McMaster hit the nail on the head two days ago in his press conference. He said, we'll be... Um, seven months from now, we'll look back, and we um, all elected officials will have a report card on how the response was, whether it was a good response, whether it was too much or too little. Um, I think everybody will have that report card on them as elected leaders six and seven months from now. Yeah. And uh, when do you see, if you can share, when do you see restaurants coming back online fully able to operate, and, and what will that look like? Well, we're starting with outdoor dining, as the governor stated yesterday on Monday, and I believe right now the Restaurant Association is getting with the Department of Health and Environmental Control to come up with regulations for restaurants and how to operate, whether they be wearing masks uh, for servers, um, gloves, and trying to get those to restaurants to make sure there is some kind of base requirement across the board to um, protect the servers as well as protect the patrons that are visiting the restaurant. But um, it's my hope that it's sooner rather than later. We have got to get government out of the way and get our economy back up and running um, it's too important for our local economy as well as our residents. Well, you and I have had many conversations <laughs> since our first campaign together, and uh, I have come to know you as a friend, and I've come to know you as a voice for conservative principles and conservative thought. And so I'm, I'm glad to see the governor appoint you to this committee. I hope you'll use that to uh, continue to advance those free market you know, ideas that you just that you just talked about. And I think that's great that you're uh, on that committee. Um, anything going on on council that uh, you want to talk about real quick? Well, I think Warwick County is having to um, make some tough decisions, just like small business owners are having to make tough decisions across the country during these COVID times. We're having to go in and um, really prioritize our budget and cut um, to stay alive. And so Warwick County had our first budget retreat um, two weeks ago. We cut $51 million out of our budget, um, and we're also – making the necessary steps to help businesses, extending hospitality fee filings, business license fee filings, and business property, personal property tax filings to um, keep 
capital in companies so they're able to pay their bills and pay their employees. We're also starting to have discussions on cutting our business license fees um, to help incentivize businesses as well in the local area. And so um, trying to get creative and take proactive pro-business measures to hopefully come out on the other side of this COVID-19 crisis um, better off and stronger for it. Yeah. Well, Tyler, thanks for your service. I wish we had some more time to chat with you. I wanted to talk a little bit about the business license fee issue. I know there's some pushback on that issue. Is is that, are you satisfied with where we are on that? I, I know we don't, we don't have a lot of time, but anything you want to mention on that? Well, last year, um, County Council voted um, supermajority in favor of raising business license fees 200%. Uh, myself and Harold Worley were the only two no votes against that. And I think it's something we're going to have to look at. You know, yeah, um, yeah. raising taxes should be a last resort after yeah. all other options are um, expended, and raising um, the burden on, on our local businesses at this um, point in time is, um, in, in my in my opinion, a bad idea. And so we're looking at that. We're talking about it as we move through the discussions process of this budget, and hopefully provide some relief here to our local businesses. But I appreciate you having me on and. Uh, look forward to doing it again soon my friend yeah let's uh i want to get you back on i'd like to hear more about that issue i think that's a very important issue for small business in the county moving forward and uh folks that's going to bring the show to a wrap i want to thank tyler servant uh tyler come back on the show anytime i want to thank steve robertson folks that's your saturday morning coffee have a great saturday let me give you guys this piece of parting wisdom trust in the lord with all your heart lean not on your own understanding In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. That's Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Y'all have a great Saturday. Be blessed. We'll be back next week with more Saturday Morning Coffee. Thanks for waking up with Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5.